but it unlocked on Anaheim Ducks. Even though the Ducks finally scored on the power play, they still earned a split in the Valley of the Sun. We'll talk about it on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday. Thank goodness it is Friday. Hello, everyone. I'm your humble host, Jason J.D. Hernandez, covering hockey for over a decade, and I'm joining you on this rainy Friday. Yeah, uh, it is wet out there, so if you're driving or listening to this, please be careful out there. It is very, very rainy out there. A reminder, you can hear this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts can be heard. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks. And make sure to rate five stars and subscribe if you have not already. So the Ducks played a Thursday night game in Arizona trying to earn a sweep against the Coyotes. Yeah, it went well for about a period and that was about it. We'll pick things up right at the end of the period. We'll start in the first period, and boy, it was a good first for the Ducks because Jakob Silverberg stole a puck and scored it right away to make it 1-0 Anaheim pretty early on in the game. And this was a sick goal by Jakob Silverberg. This is the kind of play that we've been looking for pretty much all season long, at least through the first eight games, where Silverberg put up a valiant effort to take the puck away, put it top shelf, and score that fast goal. Yeah, he looked good early on. In fact, the first two lines of Anaheim looked very, very good early on. They were playing aggressive. They were getting some good shots on goal. They looked like they would win maybe 3 nothing, But we know better. We know this is the Ducks. Right after that first stanza happened, it was pretty much all Arizona after that. They did outshoot the Ducks 12-8 in that period, but it looked like Anaheim was going to take control early on. Then the second period happened. That's where things got really out of control. Christian Dvorak scored his second of the season, 743 into the second. But that's not what I want to talk about. What I really want to talk about is the fact that the Ducks had absolutely zero energy coming out of the period. They looked flat. I hate to say it. They looked really, really flat. Part of that was that there was an early penalty Oh, stop me if you've heard this before. Kevin Shattenkirk. Yeah, he drew yet another penalty. This is what, his fifth or sixth one in the past few games? Yeah, this time Kevin Shattenkirk got a high-sticking penalty against Derek Broussard. So there went Shattenkirk right in the box. And just like always, the Ducks go on the penalty kill. They did well on the penalty kill this time. We got to give credit to Derek Grant once again on this one. We got to give a lot of credit to Yanni Hockenpah. The penalty kill did their job for the most part. Despite the fact that the Coyotes put on a few shots on goal. It looked good for for that penalty kill. But then the floodgates opened for the Coyotes. This is how bad it got, folks. After that power play... The Anaheim Ducks didn't register a shot on goal. They didn't even register a shot attempt. Yeah. Throughout that entire time, up until about nine minutes left in the period, they didn't have a single shot attempt. And it got worse. It got worse after. Well, during that time frame, that's when the goal was scored to tie it up at one. Dvorak got his first of the game. Hmm, I'm foreshadowing here. His first of the game. 
in that entire period. The Ducks had three shot attempts on goal. In fact, I will tell you what the shot attempts were in the second period. 33-3. You heard that right. The Arizona Coyotes had 33 shot attempts on John Gibson. And Anaheim had three. With about nine minutes left. With about six minutes left. And with about two minutes left. That was it. That was all they had in the second period. That was their entire offensive output. And they weren't even close. They were of no quality whatsoever. It was that kind of period. When you come out with no energy. When you come out flat like that. The Ducks should have considered themselves lucky. That it was only tied. Because Arizona had some very good chances there. Okay, let me give this stat. High danger chances. Arizona had a lot of high danger chances. In fact, on even strength, on 5-on-5 play. Arizona had 13 high danger chances. Do you know how many the Ducks had? Zero. None. Nada. The Ducks had zero high danger chances throughout the entire game. They were nowhere near the crease. They were barely at home plate. Most of their shot attempts were from the point. I mean, there were a couple right from the blue line or beyond, but aside from that, that was it, folks. That was it. They were nowhere near the scoring chance range. Home plate was pretty much empty for the Ducks the entire game. That's not going to cut it. Especially in that second period. 33-3. Let me throw this stat out there. In the past two games, the second period has been the Ducks' Achilles heel. In the last game in Arizona, the shot attempts were 21-6 in favor of Arizona. This time it was 33-3. In the two games at Arizona, the shot attempts in second periods were a whopping 54 to 9. 54 to 9 shot attempts in both second periods. That's not good, folks. Oh, but it was only tied 1 to 1. Shortly after the second intermission was when Connor Garland scored his third of the season to make it 2 to 1. But guess what happened after that? The Ducks finally scored on the power play. Danton Heinen got his second goal of the season on some nice helpers from Cam Fowler and Max Comtois to make it a 2-2 tie, and everybody in Ducksland was celebrating. They finally scored a power play goal. They were the last team to do it, but they're finally off the schneid. And then the Ducks gave up a power play goal themselves. Dvorak got his third of the season, his second of the game, And this was late in the game, too. Oh, and by the way, guess who got another penalty in that third period? Yeah, you guessed correctly. It was Kevin Shattenkirk once again. An interference call. But the one that was the big killer was the Jakob Silverberg high stick against Derek Broussard. Broussard got high sticked twice on this game. And that second one was the undoing. As the Ducks fall 3-2 to the Arizona Coyotes. Man, shots on goal were 34-16 in favor of the Coyotes, but that shot attempts, that's bad. That's really, really bad. 
overall, 74 to 36 in favor of Arizona, of course. 74-36. The Ducks allowed 74 shot attempts. That's a shot attempt every, what, 50 seconds? Oh, no, 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 no. We we can't have that, Ducks fans. We just can't have that. So they fall once again. They still have eight standings points. Maybe the tank is on. Who knows? We're going to take a short break. But first, let's talk about betonline.ag, the exclusive online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And they have every sport you could think of. And if you had the under five goals last game, well, you got your money back because they scored exactly five goals. So look for the NHL lines on betonline.ag. And if you sign up right now, use the promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Once again, that's betonline.ag, the exclusive online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please gamble responsibly. And we're going to talk more about this one on the other side. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason, J.D. Hernandez, and just a couple more stats about this, not just this game, but this whole season for the Ducks. So as I mentioned, they were out shot attempted in the second period 33 to 3 throughout the entire game and I wish I was making this up 74 to 36 those were the shot attempts and obviously Arizona dominated that so get this throughout the entire season which is only 8 games by the way the Anaheim Ducks have been outshot attempted as far as okay shot attempts 517 to 383. Those are overall shot attempts. That's a difference of 134. That means the Ducks have allowed 134 more shot attempts in only eight games. And for some quick math here, that comes out to an average of about 17 more shot attempts for their opponent than the Ducks have. And oh, by the way, so they've played eight games. Guess how many games the Ducks have had more attempts than their opponents? One. That was the first game of the season. That means in the past seven games, they've allowed their opponents to have more shot attempts, and it's not even close. It's really not. Especially the last two games, 66-41, 74-36. It's really bad. They've come out flat on the second periods on both these games. Even the game against the Avalanche last week, that third period was abysmal for them. So what do they need to do to improve on several things? First off, they've got to improve their power play. Before yesterday, they had scored more shorties. Yeah, their penalty killing was very, very good. Their power play was non-existent. Before yesterday, they were 4th in the league on PK. And they were also 0% on the power play. That's all changed. Now they're, what, 6-7%? Ooh, yay, big deal. Yeah, they need to work on 
just overall offense, overall defense. John Gibson's not your problem. In fact, I want to talk about John Gibson for a hot second because there was a couple things I liked about John Gibson. First off, that save on Clayton Keller was something very special. If you don't know what I'm talking about, yeah, look up this video. So there was a sweet pass across the Royal Road to Clayton Keller, and Keller just let one rip from the left faceoff dot, and he had an open net, but John Gibson completely lunged to his right, and he just got enough of his right blocker to make the incredible save. That's John Gibson for you folks. But that was probably his best play of the game. His most controversial question mark play of the game took place late. Late in the game where John Gibson had just about had enough of everyone's crap. He had enough. What happened here was... Okay, some people thought it was freaking hilarious. And I'm trying my best not to curse on air. But that was pretty dang cool. As far as Ducks fans are concerned. He lost his cool. He was really pissed off. So much to the point that he tackled Connor Garland to the ground. And this took place on the last play stoppage. And this was around the time of the last media timeout with about three and a half minutes left. Where Connor Garland said a few words to John Gibson. A little bit of chirping. I bet Connor Garland said something like, I wonder if you'd play well. No, you know what? No, I'm going to not... Say what I think Connor Garland said. I'm sure it was something really bad. It could have been a multitude of things like, imagine if you had a better defense behind you, or, wow, how does it feel like to be on this team? Or, what happened to playing a contender? Something along those lines, maybe, maybe not. But whatever Garland said to Gibson clearly pissed him off, and Gibson just had one second to think about it. He had this glaring look on his eyes, and he tackled Connor Garland from behind. Both players only got two minutes for unsportsmanlike conduct. It could have been more. It could have been. But John Gibson, he lost his cool a little bit. I think everything that had been happening just kind of bubbled up. And the Ducks owe him more than a steak dinner. They owe him an apology for leaving him out to dry like that, especially in the second period. 33-3, to that's ridiculous. John Gibson cannot save the Ducks by himself. They need better defense. They need better offense. They need some offense to help him out. He's allowed only a few goals this entire season. He only allowed three. The Ducks only managed two. They've scored 14 goals in eight games. That's it. 14 goals, eight games. That's an under two goals per game average. That is not going to cut it. So once again, giving John Gibson a little bit of credit here and and getting him some dap. That was a cool move, man. John Gibson, we salute you. We're going to head into the second intermission. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Once again, you're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez as we preview this weekend's games with the St. Louis Blues taking place at the Ponda. So just to go over this really quickly, this is a back-to-back. There are games Saturday and Sunday. Saturday's game will take place at the Ponda beginning at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Sunday's game 
will be a 5 p.m. Pacific time game. So a 23-hour turnaround, but this is a back-to-back, something that both teams are used to because they both had back-to-backs last time they met. The last time these two teams saw each other was March 11th, the day that hockey stopped. If you recall, and I'm sure most of you do, the last time they saw each other was the makeup game from the Jay Bowmeister incident from almost a year ago. I can't believe it's been almost a year since that happened, and we'll sure, we will revisit that on the anniversary for sure. But just to give a quick preview, the St. Louis Blues, they're not faring much better as far as standings go. They are 4-2-1. and one. They only have nine standings points themselves, where the Ducks are 3-3-2. Three, three, and two. So the Blues and Ducks are still kind of hovering around that 500 mark. The Blues a little bit better. But looking at some of the games the Blues have played, they got walloped by Colorado earlier this season. Yeah, they got demolished. Just not going to put it any other way. The Blues do average three goals a game. They also allow an average of 3.7 goals per game. Most of those coming at the hands of the Colorado Avs. Now, the Blues are not a bad team. However, I've made fun of the Ducks not having a power play goal for the first seven and a half games of the season. As of last week, there were two teams that hadn't scored a power play goal. The Ducks were one of them. The Blues were the other team. Yeah, a week ago, there were two teams that hadn't scored a power play, and the Blues were the other one. Their power play percentage is only 8.7 compared to the Ducks' 5.6. The Blues are 28th in the league as far as power play percentage goes. But they're also 28th in the league in penalty killing in the NHL. They have a 69.4% PK. Only 69% PK, which is not nice. In fact, if you're the Blues, you're getting absolutely walloped on the PK. And this is by far the worst in the division. The only teams worse are the Nashville Predators, who are in a different division. The New Jersey Devils, 68%, barely worse. And the other one is the Winnipeg Jets at 68.5%, barely worse. As far as the Pacific goes, yeah, they're... They're just bad. It's not close. Most of the rest of the division hovers around the 80 to 90% PK. So to have only 69%, if there was ever a chance for the Ducks to break out of their power play slump, this is it. The Blues allow 30% of goals on the penalty kill. That is not good. But when you look at their defensive core, you can see why. Colton Pareko, he's still a good defender. And Tory Krug is okay. He's a little bit offensive-minded. But when you have Vince Dunn, Justin Falk, Carl Gunnarsson as part of your defensive penalty-killing core, that is not going to do it. They're not going to see Jay Bomeister come out of that tunnel. And by the way, Jay Bomeister, he has officially retired. Even though Bomeister was slowing down, he was still a smart defender and was still effective on the PK when he was out there. And at this point, this is where the Blues really miss Alex Petrangelo. Petrangelo is a great offensive player. He's a great defensive player. Whenever he would go out there on the PK, he was extremely effective. So stuff like that is where 
the Blues really miss two key defenders, both in Bo Meester and Petrangelo, who, by the way, Alex Petrangelo, uh, this came out last night. He's been added to the NHL's COVID-19 protocol list, which means he may or may not have tested positive, or that could mean that he has mandatory isolation because he was in direct contact with someone who did test positive for COVID-19. Because as you may have heard, there have been multiple cases of COVID-19 within the Vegas Golden Knights organization, which is why last night's game was postponed between the Blues and Vegas. The Blues are okay. They're still going to play these games this weekend unless something happens. Vegas, we're not so sure when they're going to play next. I know they have a couple of important games coming up. I don't know if those are going to happen or not. I'm going to assume that they might not happen. I don't know. The Golden Knights, they do play Arizona February 1st and February 3rd. Those are the next games. I don't know if those get played or not. Well, we'll see. The next time the Golden Knights play is going to be February 1st and 3rd against the San Jose Sharks. And those games will take place in Arizona because the Sharks will be the de facto home team. So that's where the Golden Knights are going to travel. They're going to go to Arizona. Those are their next games as of right now. We don't know if those games are going to be played or not. I guess we'll find out in a couple days. So I'm going to assume that maybe those games won't get played. I'm just going to assume that. I know I shouldn't assume stuff, but given that Alex Petrangelo was out and a few other VGK players are out, that game might not happen. And something I didn't talk about, by the way, Leading scorers for the Blues, Jordan Cairo leads the Blues with seven points. Right behind him is Jaden Schwartz, Braden Shen, and David Perron, all with six points. As far as goaltending is concerned, Jordan Binnington leads the way. He's got all four of the St. Louis wins. He has a goals against of 2-7-4 and a save percentage of only 9-13. And going to go a little bit analytical here. As far as expected, goals saved above, he's at a negative. Negative 0.77. That means he's below league average right now. He's 32nd in the league in that category. He's around the same place as Frederick Anderson, as far as Vitek Vanacek for Washington, and just slightly better than Carey Price and Kapo Kakinen. Yeah, that's going to go over well. Jordan Bennington is not having the best start to his season right now. He's nowhere near the caliber of John Gibson. So if the Ducks are going to break out of their offensive slump, this is it. So I'm expecting the Ducks to score eight goals this weekend. Yes, you heard that. I'm predicting the Ducks will score eight goals between the two games. They're going to bust out of this big time. And that is a small preview of this weekend's games. What the Ducks need to do is just break out offensively and take advantage of the Blues' abysmal penalty kill. That will get them going. 
And with that, we're going to wrap up for the week. We're not going to have a weekend show for reasons, as you might see on my personal Twitter. So no weekend show. But we will have a preview beginning of next week with Sarah Avampado as we preview Chapter 1 of the Freeway Face-Off between the LA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks. So make sure to look out for that next week. In the meantime, thanks everyone for listening. Be sure to rate five stars, comment, subscribe if you haven't already. And you can hear this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or wherever podcasts can be heard. And make sure to check out Locked On Today, which is the newest podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Check out Locked On Bets with your boy Q. And also check out Locked On NHL. So check out all of those programs on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you want to drop me a line, email me at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. And also don't forget to follow me on Twitter at StimpyJD. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks. That is it. I am out for the weekend. For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying please have a great rest of the weekend. Enjoy some hockey against the Blues. And please be kind to one another. Practice social distancing. Stay safe. And Ducks fly together.